Work might not look like it did a year ago, but the essence of work is the same. We still get up, get going, and give it our best. We still desire to get better. We win by making progress every day. And while the tools and technologies that make this possible are quite remarkable, it is the talent and drive of each individual employee that makes your business exceptional. When you manage this type of experience, your organization, like its employees, will also do and be its best. SAP Human Experience Management Solutions puts the employee experience ahead of everything. They give you the tools to boost productivity, confidence, and engagement. And that's how experience wins. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Alicia Tillman, the Global Chief Marketing Officer of SAP. She's going to explain what SAP is, so don't worry. Alicia Tillman has served as the Global CMO at SAP since 2017. Under Alicia's leadership, SAP has ranked 17th most valuable brand by Brand Z and the continued growth of SAP's brand value by over $18.5 billion since 2017. Alicia is currently named the 11th most influential CMO by Forbes and serves on the global board of directors for the Ad Council and the MMA. Prior to her role as global CMO, Alicia was the chief marketing officer of SAP Ariba, the world's largest business-to-business commerce network. She also spent 11 years at American Express, serving as the head of marketing and business services after leading public affairs, corporate communications, and media relations for the global business travel division. I can tell you this podcast is going to be filled with helpful information, resources to get you back to best. So take a listen. I'm so excited to welcome you, Alicia. Rebecca, thank you. What a great introduction. I'm so happy to be here with you today. So I'd love for our audience, just because people hear the word SAP, and if you're not in my industry or technology or, you know, behind the scenes, I'd love like just a little blurb about like what SAP powers and how big of an incredible company it is that does things that maybe people don't even realize? Yeah, it's a great question. So SAP is a technology company that was founded about 50 years ago. And our focus with our technology is to really help power the operations of a company. If you think about the way a company is set up, there's everything from finance, accounting, IT, HR, marketing, sales, operations, et cetera. And all of those departments are dependent on technology in some way to run their operation. SAP powers all of it. It's everything from performance management software to sourcing and procurement software, helping to manage the accounting Um, all of the back office reconciliation tasks of an organization. Those are just a few of the the things in a company that's very, very dependent on technology that SAP powers. And we do that at a global level with nearly 500,000 customers. And a little fact about SAP, and it's probably um, won't be incredibly surprising after what I've just shared, that nearly 80% of the world's transactions touch a piece of SAP software and in some way. So when you operate at such a global scale and you have such a big technology footprint within a company, um, you can imagine that the impact is, is as fierce as that. But that essentially, Rebecca, is SAP. 
I don't think, you know, I even realized how much SAP touches as we go about our days. So that's incredible. So what was your path? You know, what set you on the path to be, you know, a global CMO and and what inspired you to sort of take that journey? Well, marketing, you know, there's so many different functions of marketing. At the end of the day, I think marketing is accountable for contributing to the growth of a company. And we do that in so many ways um, to help drive awareness around your brand and your products and services, to help driving pipeline, to bring in new customers, to help retain customers. But I've always felt that to achieve all of that, it, it really takes two things. It takes creativity and it takes someone who really has a very strong sense of truly all of the functions of marketing and how they can work together to really drive the best story in the marketplace for your company so that you can grow and you can keep customers for life. And writing is something that was always very um, special to me growing up. And at the end of the day, when I thought about, all right, well, how do I translate that into a job that could afford me a good living? And you think about writing and the role that that plays in storytelling. It really is about, especially in the corporate world where where things can often be perceived as, as being very, very complex. That's what was so motivating to me. How do you take something that is truly valuable, yet on the service surface may seem quite complex? And how do I translate that into a story that gets people excited and wants them to buy and has them recognize the value that that you can play in their lives and how it helps them get from point A to point B. And, and that's how I sort of took that creativity that, you know, I so cherished um, at a young age and looked at how I could bring that into the corporate world and marketing was the best fit I had always believed for that skill. And so that's how I found myself in the world of marketing. Clearly, you have to be a strong leader, especially as the chief global CMO of an incredibly huge company. Again, 500,000 clients. What is your biggest source of strength as a leader? And where do you feel like you also need to grow? The people that depend on my function every day is a great source of strength. Knowing that people are depending on the ideas you come up with how it translates into new customers and increased revenue for a company. I thrive on people being dependent on my organization in such a big way. And so that's that's a big source of motivation for me. The other is then the people that are in my team who are then focused on delivering on those results, who look to me day in and day out for vision and clarity and direction. The dependency that my team has on me for that is very inspiring and motivating to me. And then the third that I would say is when you pull that all together and you really execute the value that gets created for customers, for communities, for change in the world, that's the ultimate inspiration. And, you know, that's what powers me every day. The area that I want to continue to grow in is continuing to have a clear focus on 
priorities, especially in the environment we live in today where people are tired. Um, we can't, we've, we're coming off of a very, very difficult year. No matter where you live in the world or what industry you work in, it was hard mentally, physically for most everyone. And it is a big call for true prioritization as a result of it, because we can't and we shouldn't think about needing to do it all. We need to focus on what matters most and what's going to have the biggest impact. And I need to continue to focus on recognizing that, holding accountable to that, staying true to that, and and letting it be my North Star so that I'm not seeing everything as something great to focus on and work on, but really recognizing what matters and only stay course on that. Yeah. And I think that brings up, you know, an elephant in probably what should be an elephant in every room, which is we're facing, in addition to the pandemic, a mass exodus of women in the workforce. In September, 865,000 women left the workforce, four times that of men. 80% of US employees feel helpless and like things are out of their control. And I think that, you know, from what I hear just in my peer group, you know, the burden is falling on women, disproportionate to men. And so, you know, being that you have this passion, you just touched on the challenges. We're tired. We're burnt out. We're trying to, you know, not even do it all from what it used to be at all, right? We're just trying to now do the new do it all. What do you think people need to know about the challenges of working parents, especially moms during the pandemic? It's hard, first of all. And we need to truly understand the juggle that working parents face and you need to support parents in that juggle. I believe that employers have a responsibility to support that. You know, I've always been a believer as a leader that that old saying that once said, you know, you need to sort of check your personal problems at the front door before you walk into the office every morning. That is absolutely a thing of the past. People carry a lot on their shoulders today. And coming off of last year, they will even more. And if you want people to be their best and give their best, you have to be able to support them in that journey. And being able to call on organizations, call on leaders, that is, I believe, what more and more working parents are going to want and desire, particularly of companies that they choose to work for. And we have to respond. And we are. And, you know, Rebecca, you know, you and I are, are doing that together in looking at parents and how we help them with that juggle, partnering together between SAP and the Female Founder Collective to create a back-to-best parents' site to help them have the resources and the support as they work to sort of manage that day-to-day of life. Because I'm also a believer that you can do both. You can work. You can manage a family. You can be successful. But it has to be because you are depending on a network of support that offers you resources and offers you the flexibility that you need. And by listening to our employees first and foremost, by giving them that that space of comfort that 
we need to know what they're dealing with and what their juggle looks like to figure out how we can get them resources and build a working environment that will allow them to thrive. I believe we have that responsibility as leaders and as companies. It's such a relief that a company like SAP and the passion you and the team have behind this is so incredible because it used to just be that we were complaining that you had to pump in a bathroom stall, you know, and and that a, and that corporations weren't providing for women who wanted to work and just simply feed their children. And clearly this year has shown that it's much more than that, you know. So that's why it's incredible that the resources hub is going to have education resources for children, you know, virtual babysitters, uh, virtual school opportunities, ways that parents can sort of uh, get support so that as a corporation, I think it's incredibly, it's not even talked about enough, even in the mainstream media, like no one is talking about how to support parents right now. And people are burning out like crazy. So I think, I think the women and the men that are going to be helped by this resources hub is going to be incredible and hopefully relief, right, is what will be felt with these resources. Yeah, and start to move the data that we're seeing move in a better direction. In 2020, it started to move into an awful direction. You know, things like employees who are working from home full time, which went up significantly as a result of the pandemic. When you ask them, and this is through a Gallup poll recently, what the burnout experience looks looks like, it jumped from 18% pre-pandemic to 28%. So over a quarter of our workforce is feeling burnt out. Those are staggering leaps in percentages. Um, 80% of US employees feel helpless and things are out of their control according to Thrive Global. Now, when I look at data like this, I I feel two things. Number one, it's cry for help because people are being transparent about how they're feeling. And number two, it's a call for action. And I, I believe so much you know, whether it's the work we are doing together as companies or that of which all employers need to rise to the challenge of, if we do not start moving these statistics into a better direction, there will be no company success because company success is entirely dependent on the health um, of their workforce. And these numbers certainly show that we have an unhealthy workforce that needs attention and without people operating at their best, then productivity goes down, revenue goes down, all of those things that companies depend on and measure success with starts to become significantly challenged. And I agree with you. There needs to be much more visibility on this, you know, at a global level, at a public level in which it's going to create the necessary attention for leaders and companies to respond in the right way. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
So supporting women has is not new for you. And it's something that you talk about a lot, especially within the technology sector. So I would love to touch on, in addition to obviously what we're doing with Back to Best and the incredible resource hub that's going to exist and the event we're going to have around it, you know, what role has the mutual support of women in the workplace played in your career? And then how do you sort of have that trickle down to the, you know, the rest of the SAP teams? Well, I think the simple fact remains is that there are not enough women in leadership positions around the world in every industry in which we exist, and technology in particular, and that needs to change. And, you know, for as long as I can remember now, I've been in my career for over 20 years, it has been very, very apparent to me that I am often surrounded by very few women in leadership positions, and I've never understood the reason why. I think women are superhuman and have this incredible ability to juggle so much and do it exceptionally well. I think they do it because they understand how to use resources, how to depend on certain things, how to make a full system work to their advantage. And they also possess incredible empathy to make a high-performing workforce, one that is has so much followership and inspiration and motivation and trust. And because of that, and because of, frankly, the women in my career that have been sponsors, supporters, mentors, um, I equally want to do the same. And as I've looked at my leadership over the past 20 years, you know, I am always looking out for women, their potential, and how I can quickly accelerate them to achieve their potential, certainly while it's under my leadership, Um, because I have such strong beliefs in what they can offer today and what I know they can offer in the future if they're going to be put in a bigger role to do so. And so I do that in my day-to-day leadership of my team, but I also do it more broadly you know, through organizations like the Girl Scouts, which I was a Women of Distinction honoree a couple of years ago for my support in women at a broad scale level. I'm also the um, executive sponsor of New York for our women's network at SAP. So both on my day to day, as well as in a network and a community based fashion, I really spend my time coaching and sharing my story, because I think that's important to help others be inspired by the potential of what can be if they kind of focus on, you know, certain things that I feel have benefited me and my growth throughout my career. But then I also make it a very core part of how I lead. And and as I build teams, I believe in the power of an inclusive workforce. And by that, as I build and evolve my organization, diversity is priority number one for me because I believe the more inclusive we are as a company, the more successful we can be. I love that. And I think it's so impactful to see other women have such a strong leader because I think I talk about this a lot and I hope people aren't rolling their eyes like, oh, here she goes again. But you know, within the fashion industry, it's very well known to not be inclusive and to also be very clicky if you're not, you know, from the right family or have enough money, (laughs) you know, 
uh, it's hard to break through. So I think it's incredible that you set such an amazing example of supporting women. I would love to go to, you know, the part of you as a mom, because clearly you've been a working mom. And I would love to just touch on the hardest part of working in motherhood and, and the best part and, and how that's made you, you know, a better CMO, a better leader. Well, the juggle is real right? I mean, it is a full-time job to be a mom and then it's a full-time job, you know, to, to be a, a global CMO. And, you know, I am someone who wants to give a hundred percent with everything that you're accountable for. And, you know, so how do you do both? How do you, how do you manage both very, very high profile roles that are very, very demanding and require a hundred percent of your time? And so, the juggle between the two is fierce and it's real. I will tell you, it became a reality for me when I really accepted that not everything's going to be perfect. Um, and I think that there's a big difference between giving 100% and always striving for perfection. You know, I give 100%, I believe in both, but things are not always perfect, whether it be in, you know, my role as global CMO or my role as a mom. There's many of the days where I've forgotten to pack lunch and I'm sitting here in the middle of a conference call thinking, oh, my goodness, my poor child is sitting in a class on his hands with nothing to eat, um, you know, because you have those like panic moments. But there are also moments when things like that have happened and I call on my network, you know, I I'll call on one of my friends who I know could quickly get to the school and say, oh my goodness, can you go bring my son a snack? You know, and so I, I have just a beautiful network of, of friends and we depend on each other and, and that's, that's really, really important. And so, you know, the juggle there is, is really real. And then I think, you know, the other thing that I focus on often in terms of how to get it all done is, you know, the thing that I take tremendous pride in, I feel that me as, as a, as a working professional helps me be a better mom and vice versa. You know, I look at my daughter and how I see her admiring me. She loves my team as much as I do because you know, we have a very open household. We talk about a lot of things that go on in the office. She's there hanging on every word. And, and so she embraces that and admires and respects it. And, and for an 11-year-old girl who has her whole life ahead of her, that's one of the things that makes the juggle worth it because I can see how much she admires what I do. And then similarly, being a mom and teaching someone to learn and grow and the empathy that needs to be exercised through that whole process helps me be a better leader day to day in the workplace. And so that's the inspiration you take and to help motivate you for often the challenges that come with, with managing both very, very big roles between being a mom and being a professional. It's funny, you know, I, I look at my life before COVID and I felt like I came to New York a few days ago and my my nine-year-old cried and I was like, babe, I'm going for four days. I used to be gone 10, 15 days out of the month. Like, what are you crying about? I don't know if you feel this way, but it, d during this time in COVID is really highlighted like how much 
more time I probably needed to be spending with my children, but also, you know, that they continue to see me working and, and surviving. And that that is an incredible example that makes impressions that will, we won't know until they're older. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. My son is also nine. And when I need to get back on the road again, that will be the hardest thing with him. I mean, it's it's amazing with little boys and their moms. The, the connection is definitely there. There's no doubt about it, even though they try to act tough. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's many of a day I remember when I was on the road all the time pre-COVID and, you know, how upsetting it was to him. And, you know, even though he wouldn't have outwardly said it over the you know past 10 months, how much he's enjoyed having me home. I know that day that you're experiencing right now, when I do have to be away for three to four days at a time, that's going to be the hardest part because, and you're right, it does make you realize the love your kids have for you and how much your presence means to them. But as I said, I equally feel though at the same time, the experiences we take home with us from being on the road and interacting with different cultures, especially if we're traveling to other countries, they really benefit from hearing and learning from that as well. Before we end, I would love to touch upon, you know, I always find that these questions that I ask at the end of my podcast, you know, what's one thing we'd be surprised to know about you just because it obviously makes every woman I interview more human, more real. It could be something embarrassing, funny, shocking. You know, I, I say a lot, I'm scared of zombies. I actually am. But if you have anything that is that no one no one knows yet or would be surprised. Well, I would say too. So you'll use your zombie example. I am absolutely cannot watch scary movies. I carry a scary movie with me for years and years. I'm easily disturbed. So that's that's one thing with me. The second is I grew up, you know, along the coast of the New Jersey shore, was a surfer, started off as a boogie boarder and moved to surfing. And so life on the water was something that I appreciated tremendously when I was growing up. And so, you know, being an athlete, be it surfing or, you know, later field hockey, lacrosse, which were great sports of mine. You know, I don't really talk about that side of me, but, you know, the athletics and that part of my life, you know, and I say to so many kids today, um, you know, especially kids my age, you know, when, you know, when they're that young, you often have to, you feel like you're dragging them from one thing to another. But I'll say to them, yes, you learn and grow in the classroom. I personally found my greatest learnings, certainly in terms of how to be part of a team and how to be a leader, 100% came from being on the field and meaning being on the athletic field. And so, you know, it's hard to help kids understand that so early in life when friends and social media are, seem to be the most important thing in their lives at this point. But getting them out there and learning the skills of being part of a team and being competitive and, you know, being a leader and, you know, having to make quick decisions oftentimes on the field and execution. I mean, there's nothing like it. And, you know, that was a big, big part of my childhood and something that I absolutely credit, you know, for, you know, for the, for the leader and the, the team player that I, that I am today. I totally agree. And I think, you know, I, I played both soccer and 
I was a ballerina. And when I look at the the way that you're taught as a ballerina, there can be only one prima ballerina. And it, there is definitely no team in, in that field. And then in soccer, it, it is all about the camaraderie, the team helping each other out. And I think those skills are so valuable. Um, and, and I think it makes a difference, you know, uh, in, in how you grow up. So yeah, I love that. Fully agree. Fully agree. So my last question, and I think people are searching their souls, you know, asking anyone they can for advice to help get them through this time, whether it's for their business, personal. So as incredibly, you know, experienced marketer for someone's business or someone who's struggling with how do I even stay in business? How do I even market if I don't have the budget? Like, do you have any great advice that you can leave my listeners with? I would say a few things. Number one, really understand the value of your business and go back to your roots. When you were sitting there, you know, be it yourself or with friends early in the morning, late at night, and you were scribbling out, you know, the business you wanted to build, what's the why? Why did you want to do this? Was there a void in the marketplace for what you wanted to create? Was there something that was broken that you had an idea that would fix it? Really, why? Why did you create your business? And what's that value? So you got to understand that first and foremost and be true about it. Don't try to think about something that you're not. Truly, what is the value of your business? That's number one. The second thing is you've got to craft that story and write it. You know, don't think about all the professional or corporate jargon. Write down your story. Um, you know, take the time, write it from your heart, write it from that day when you came up with the idea and probably how it's evolved a bit too, as you've expanded and, and what have you write it down. The third is don't get fixated on what it's going to cost to allow you to tell your story because you can start a Twitter handle or an Instagram page or a Facebook page. You name the social media platform tomorrow and it'll cost you nothing if you start putting your story out there. So get it out there and then start to build your network, which would probably be the final thing that I'll say is, you know, get out there, attach yourself to influential people who have a strong following and Help them realize the value of your product and ask for their help in expanding the reach of your story. Those things, I think companies um, and leaders of companies take for granted the power of a good story that's told authentically about truly the value. And what are those low cost platforms you can use to tell it? And then how do you take advantage of your network to help expand the reach? It's low cost. It's authentic. And at the end of the day, it's sort of back, Rebecca, to the start of our conversation as to why I pursued a career in marketing. I've always believed that marketing can be the most important function of your business. And I say that working for big companies my whole career, you know, SAP is over 100,000 employees strong. There is not a function in the company that's not dependent on marketing to help tell their story. And it is the most powerful way to grow your brand. It is the most powerful way for your customers to feel your authenticity 
And it is the most powerful way to help you retain customers for life. But you have to know it. You have to be able to articulate it. And you have to be consistently placing it on platforms and and earning reach on that story so that it can be used to truly do what it should, which is to grow your business. I think that's incredible advice and so helpful, especially for people who have their own businesses. And just for everyone, if you were like, wait, where is this resource page? Uh, We're creating a landing page. There'll be a link in the show notes. Again, it's called Back to Best. And our goal with this program is to help support you, give you resources that'll make your life uh, in this time period as you're working from home, as you're adapting to all this change much better and get you back into a feeling of you can do this, you can thrive and, and we can get through this. Thank you, Alicia. It was nice to talk to you and hopefully I'll see you soon. I look forward to it, Rebecca. Thanks so much for the great conversation today. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birch Boxes, as well as our site.